You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Two weeks ago, as I was uh, preaching, we were in a series called Toxic, and I was talking about toxic religion. Remember that? Toxic religion. If you recall, somewhere in the sermon I was talking about our need for solution. I, as humanity, we have a problem, and we couldn't solve our problem. That's why Jesus came. And if you recall, I, I kind of walked you through some questions like have any of you ever lied? Remember that? Uh, if you have, you're a, a liar. Um, and you know, have you ever um, broken the speed limit? If you are, you're a lawbreaker. Put anything before God that you're an idolater. And I ask, you know, have you ever stolen anything? And we talked about, we had just a moment where we talked about the problem of individuals stealing the church's pens. Remember that? (laughs) Of course, it was all just in jest and fun. Please take the pens. It's kind of a, a means of advertising. But the following week, I received this large envelope in the mail. Um, and inside this large bubble pack envelope, there is a second envelope, and you can't see it, but stamped all around on the corners, it says confidential, addressed to myself, it says confidential, and when I open this letter, <laughs> isn't that funny? And in the, in the package, there was this letter, May the 12th, 2019, Pastor, forgive me, for I have sinned. <laughs> and what's interesting is, like, he's been stealing for some time, because as I looked at these pens, like, there's several editions. Like, this covers about ten years in the life of Grace Covenant. <laughs> My friend Gary Smith. Too funny. But this morning we're starting a new series of messages from the book of Habakkuk. Matter of fact, there in your worship guide, our communications department has created, and will create throughout this series, a set of devotionals, what we're calling Going Deeper into the book of Habakkuk. So hopefully that's just a little tool that you can use during the week to kind of go deeper in the very things that we're going to talk about this morning. But we're starting this series in the book of Habakkuk, and, and some of you, just to be honest, some of you haven't been to the book of Habakkuk in a while. And some of you are like wondering, come on, pastor, is there really such of a book in the Bible? And there is. I'm going to prove that to you. It's kind of toward the end of the Old Testament in the section that we would identify as the minor prophets. You'll find this little book, three chapters, the book of Habakkuk. And it's written by a prophet from Israel that was struggling with what he did not what he did not understand. He was in a dark place in his life. And what we have recorded here in Scripture is his struggle in the darkness, in his interactions with God in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of what he didn't understand. From Habakkuk's struggle with the unknowns and the difficulties of life that he was processing, we want to talk for the next few weeks about how can you have hope in the dark? When you come to those dark times, how can you find hope in those, in those places? For some of you, this series is going to be encouraging and life-giving because presently you're in a dark place. You're in a dark valley, maybe a valley of disappointment or discouragement or hardship. Um, for others, maybe you're not there, but this is what I know. If you have relationships, if you have family members and friends, you probably know someone who's in a valley of discouragement, a valley of disappointment, a desert of difficulties. And so hopefully this is going to help you help them as we talk about hope in the dark. 
Now, about six or seven weeks ago, I found myself in a really difficult place. I found myself um, in a hard place. There was like crisis after crisis after crisis playing out. No, not so much in my own life personally, uh, but for people that I love, people that I really cared about. Let me just kind of walk you through what was happening in that season of my life. Well, I was grieving with a Grace Covenant family member and helping them plan a funeral for a loved one. I received some really bad news concerning Pastor Luke, and the, and the report from the doctors was not good. Basically, they said what we're recommending is we're recommending hospice. And if you know anything about hospice care, when you hear that, you, like, you know it's not good. When I received that news, I was like, wow, God, how can, how can this be? At the same time, when that was happening, at the same time, one of our pastor's brothers was killed in a tragic automobile accident. And there was, again, there was deep sorrow and, and grief. And while all of that was happening, we had two other Grace Covenant family members, partners here at Grace Covenant, who were in hospice. And so I was visiting the hospice house trying to bring encouragement for these families and their struggle. And while all of that was going on, I had a dear friend receive the news that he had stage 4 liver cancer and the prognosis was not good. Then on top of that, I had a friend whose 32-year-old daughter lost her battle with cancer, leaving behind two young children. All of that was happening in the same season, in the same time. And I found myself in a place, just to be honest, I found myself in a place where I, where I was overwhelmed. And the best way I know how to communicate how I was feeling is I just felt numb. I just felt like I, I don't want to go forward like to face another day, yet I knew I had to go face another day. Worse than that, I knew I had to try to give some kind of leadership in the midst of the reality of feeling numb. And I was like emotionally depleted. I had all of these questions. I didn't have answers that I wanted. Now, I I never doubted God, nor did I question His presence. But it was a dark time for me in in that season. And and I needed both help and hope. I, I knew God was good, but this particular time in my life was not good. Have you ever experienced that? You know God's good, but like this present reality is like not good. Now, your circumstances and situations might play out a little different. But as you're processing life, I would assume that you've come to difficult places where you would like to have a few more answers from God than you presently have. You've been there? Or maybe you're in a place now where you're wondering why God's not doing something or responding to your request. Like, I think we've all been there. We've been in places where we need hope in the dark. Looking there to your notes this morning, what I've discovered from experiencing life is that setbacks, adversities, and difficulties are common to life. How we respond to them will determine whether we move forward in growth or whether we get stuck in regret. I think we probably all know individuals, people who have come to setbacks, difficulties, loss, pain, and because God did not act the way they thought he would act, because it did not fit into their perfect theological box, because God did not move, because it, it seemed as God was not there, as a result of that, they walked away from God. 
This is, this is the conclusion they came to. Well, God must really not care. Or God must not be real. Or, or, or God must not be good. I mean, how could he allow this to happen if he was really a, a loving God? I mean, I've even had people say to me before, I've, I've heard this a number of times, Pastor, that God thing may work for you, but it doesn't work for me. Interpreting who God is through the lens of their, of their circumstances. I've also walked with individuals through pain and loss and struggles and trials. And, and as I've watched them, what I've seen is in the midst of the doubts, in the midst of the questions, rather than running from God, they ran to God. Rather, from, rather than retreating, they pressed into God. And it was amazing how God worked in their lives through the difficulty. Hey, folks, here's the, here's the reality of life, and you've probably already figured this out, but life's not always fair. In this life, there's adversity, difficulty, and circumstance, and how you respond to those times really determines what happens in your life. You heard me say this before, but let me say it again. You can't control what happens to you in life, but what you can always control is how you respond to it. And how you respond to those difficult places, really shapes the outcome. But, but I think here's the challenge. Here's the challenge we all face. Painful trials are fertile ground for seeds of doubt. Rather than feeding our doubt, we need to embrace the struggle and stand confident in faith. Rather than, front, rather than running from God, we need to run to God. Rather than doubting God, we need to bring God into, into our struggles. Rather than rejecting God, We need to seek God in the midst of the reality that we're walking through. That's exactly what the prophet Habakkuk does. So let me tell you a little bit about Habakkuk before we get to the scripture, the text this morning. Habakkuk is a a prophet of God who wrote to the people of Judah around the year 606 B.C. So that that time frame is important, 606 B.C. He's perplexed. He's writing this because he's perplexed by the injustice and evil of his own people and God's lack of action. So in this time, the king of Israel is King Jehoiakim, and there's this corruption that's playing out in the land among his own people. I mean, like the poor are being taken advantage of. Those who are in power are wrongly using their power to take advantage of others. The wicked are putting money into the hands of the king, and the king is like turning, a, um, turning away from justice. I mean, it's a mess. In the midst of the reality of what's playing out in, their, in the nation, the nation of Israel, the prophet Habakkuk writes this, this complaint, if you will, to God, like, God, why don't you do something about the evil and the injustice in the land? But then God reveals he's going to use the wicked Babylonians to bring judgment on the people of Judah, which is even more confusing. It's like, wow, now I'm even like more messed up. Habakkuk's struggling with what he doesn't understand and why God doesn't do something to right the wrong and, and to bring relief. And I love, I love the honesty as we're going to read this book, the book of Habakkuk. I love the honesty of Habakkuk's questions as he bears his soul before God. And in chapter 1, verse 2, Habakkuk wrote these words, How long will I cry for help, but you do not listen? Have you ever said that to God? God, how long? How long will I cry? But like, 
The heavens are silent. How long will I cry out, God, but, but you're not doing anything. Basically, Habakkuk saying, God, I know you can do something about this, but why don't you? Why aren't you taking action? He's reminding God, God, you're just, but I'm not seeing your justice play out. What I think is really interesting is that Habakkuk's name reveals the very struggle that he's embracing. As a matter of fact, the name Habakkuk means both to wrestle and embrace. I'm wrestling with what I don't understand, but embracing God in the process. He's wrestling and questioning, but he's embracing God through the process. And I believe that's the critical truth that we pick up from this little book in the Old Testament. See, when we come to events and circumstances we don't understand, that doesn't fit our theology, rather than turning from God, we need to wrestle and embrace the situation We can find hope in the dark times of life as we pursue God through through the process. And that's exactly what Habakkuk does. So let's read the first few verses of chapter 1 as we look to Habakkuk's wrestling and embracing. I think it's interesting, if you look to chapter 1, the header there reads Habakkuk's complaint. He's actually bringing his complaint to God. I put the scripture on the screen because I didn't want you to spend the whole sermon looking for the book of Habakkuk. I assure you it's there. So listen, as follow along as I read. How long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict that abounds. Therefore, the law is, is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked, him and the righteous, so that justice is perverted. Like Habakkuk's being like gut level, honest with God in his struggle. And he struggled to make sense of what's happening in his day. And basically Habakkuk presents three problems to God. And I think you and I have, we've wrestled with these same problems. The first problem that Habakkuk presents is this. God, you don't seem to really care. Habakkuk's like, God, there's all of this evil. There's all of this injustice it's happening around me and you're doing nothing. Do you not care what's happening to your people? Do you not care that the poor is being abused and the poor are being taken advantage of? You've probably been in the very place that Habakkuk was at. Where you're, you're processing through something and God's not acting the way you thought he would act. And the, cross, the, the thought crosses your mind, God, do you really care about me? Like, God, do you even know where I'm at? Do you care about you care about this struggle that I'm having? Possibly there's a family member who's battling an illness and you pray and you pray and you pray and nothing seems to happen. Or maybe there's an injustice in your school or an injustice that continues to happen in your workplace. You're being taken advantage of and you pray and you pray and you pray, yet it's the same day after day after day, and you're saying, God, God, do you you know where, do you know where I'm at? Like, do you even care about this situation? Here's the back second problem with God. God, you're not doing much when you could. See, Habakkuk's confident that God could right the wrong. 
Habakkuk is confident that God could fix the problem, but he's not. God could act, but, but from all that Habakkuk seeing and experiencing, like God's not taking action. And this is like so confusing for Habakkuk. Like it doesn't make sense. I think you probably have that frustration as well. Maybe you've not expressed it, but you've certainly thought it like, God, you could resolve this situation, this sickness, this difficulty with a nod, but you're not. Why? And this became, this became one of my struggles as I, as I walked alongside of my dear friend, Pastor Luke, and his battle with cancer. As I saw his struggle, as I saw the reality of the treatments and what that was doing to his body, and see, I, I believe, I believe with everything that is within me that our God is a God who's able. I believe that the cross is greater than cancer. I believe that the scripture says, ask. And so I ask, I fasted, and I pray, and I sought God for my friend. God didn't act the way I wanted him to. it didn't turn out like I thought it would turn out. And man, I had some questions. Like, God, I, I know you can do this. Why are you not acting? Why are you not, why are you not moving in, in this situation? I mean, I, I was in the very place that Habakkuk was at. I was frustrated and I, confu- I was confused. You know, oftentimes we have these little theological boxes and we expect God to act as the way we have defined Him in our theological box. And when life doesn't happen the way that fits in your theological box, all of a sudden you have questions. You have struggles. You're wrestling with what you don't understand. That's where I was at. You've been there. Here's a third problem Habakkuk had with God. It was this, God, what you're doing doesn't seem fair. I mean, God's inaction in the midst of the injustice in Habakkuk's day didn't seem fair. Like the wicked were prospering. That's not fair. The poor were being abused and taken advantage of. That's not fair. Those in authority were arrogant and prideful. God, that's not fair. You've probably said that to God before, haven't you? Situations, circumstances. God, what are you doing? This is not fair. And here's the reality. Life is not fair. As we're processing life in a fallen world in the midst of depraved humanity, life's not fair. Life's not perfect. Life's not going to be fair for you. As it plays out. But if you think about it, life wasn't fair for Jesus either. The sinless one, the perfect one, didn't deserve to be falsely accused and rejected by his own creation. It was not fair for Jesus, the Son of God, to be spat upon and beat. It was not fair for Jesus that the Roman soldiers took spikes and nailed them through his hands and feet. And it wasn't fair. 
But out of the unfairness came redemption and salvation for mankind. Out of the unfairness came good for humanity. And I believe that's oftentimes what happens in our lives. Out of those situations that seem unfair, it's in the midst of that that God is working for our good. The challenge is oftentimes we don't fully see it. And we don't fully understand it. But here we have Habakkuk wrestling with the situation, questioning God. So is it, is it ever okay to question God? Some would say no. No, no, you shouldn't question God. I believe it's okay to question God. I would say yes, absolutely. It's okay to, to honestly question God as you're wrestling with what you don't understand, as you're embracing Him in the process of what you don't understand. It's interesting, over one-third of the Psalms are prayers or songs where people were hurting and they were questioning God. You find it throughout the book of Psalms. The authors of Job, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, and Jeremiah express confusion and the pain of unbearable suffering by faithful believers. Rather than rejecting God, these books of the Bible show us that we can question. We can honestly question God as we're walking through these times. See, I believe questioning God is part of the process of wrestling with the situation that you're processing through as you're seeking God for guidance and help. It's actually inviting God into your struggle as you honestly bring the struggle to God. So Habakkuk comes with his questions. What he doesn't, what he doesn't understand, what he's struggling with. He, he brings his complaint before God. And then God answers his questions, answers his complaint, but, but it's like more confusion because it's not what he expected. So let's read on in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. God says, look at the nations and watch, Habakkuk. And be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are feared and dreaded, they are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture sweeping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like the sand. And talking about catching Habakkuk off guard, like if he doesn't have enough questions, if he doesn't have enough problems... Now God says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to use the wicked Babylonian. It's like, you know, it's like the wickedness and violence in Israel is bad. But like the Babylonians were ten times as bad. And, and, and Habakkuk's even further confused. It's like, God, I don't understand. Why would you use the wicked Babylonians? And if you study the history of the nation of Israel, this that's written in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 and following, actually happens in the year 586. So it was written, the book was written in 606 B.C. 586 B.C., the Babylonians come in and overtake the city of Jerusalem and carry many of the Jewish people into captivity. 
So the very thing that God said would happen actually happened for the Jewish people in the city of Jerusalem. So, so here is Habakkuk. Now he's like, again, further confused. He's struggling. He's struggling with what he doesn't understand. And I think as we come to these times of struggle, when we come to these times of confusion, what we have to do is we have to anchor ourselves to truth. When you don't know what to do in the dark, you don't have the answers that you want. What are you going to do? You're going to anchor yourself to truth. So let me give you just a couple truths that you want to hold on to. The first is this. God is always working for our good. And God is always working to a greater plan. And we're living in the moment. At times we're living in the struggle of the moment. And we have no idea what the future holds. But what we can be confident of is that God is always working to a greater plan. The challenge is this. You can't see the whole plan. You're living in the present. You already forgot what happened yesterday and you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. We can't see the whole plan. But what we have to be confident of, not only is God good, but He's working out a good plan, a greater plan in our lives. I know I took just a moment this weekend just to reflect on difficulties, adversities, stuff that's happened in my life. And there was things that I faced that I had to process through difficult times, times when I was questioning God. And we're difficult at that time, but now 10, 15, 20, 25 years later, I look back and it's amazing how clear it becomes. Like I didn't understand it then, but I sure understand it now. Like I wouldn't be where I'm at today doing what I am today if it wasn't for this event, this event, this event, all bringing me to where I'm at today. If you took the time, you would discover the same to be true in your life. What God's working to a greater plan. Can you fully see the plan? No. Do you fully know the plan? No. What do you have to do? You have to trust. God is working to a greater plan in your life and for your life. Here's the second truth. God is always just in His actions. So justice is not an external system to which God tries to adhere. Listen, He didn't have to go to law school to learn how to apply the law. His justice comes out of his inner being and it's based on his holiness, his truthfulness, and his righteousness. Listen, God is just and he will always, he cannot operate, he cannot function in a way that's opposite of being just. He will bring justice. That may not be exactly when you want it, it may not exactly happen exactly how you want it, but this is what I can guarantee you today, God will be just in your situation. As he's working to the greater plan for your life. Here's a third truth that you need to know about God. God's more concerned about your growth and development than he is your happiness. Now, listen, God's not anti-happy. God's not trying to keep you from happiness. God doesn't have a problem with, with you being happy, but listen, he has a greater ends and a greater purpose for your life, and the greater purpose is not your happiness, but it's you becoming all that he's created you to be. It's you living out the fullness of His plans for your life. It's you coming to a place of maturity and you growing in your life, your relationship with Him. That is a greater priority, God, than just your happiness. You know, Maybe you've heard people say before, well, bless the Lord, He'll never give you more than you can handle. Can I tell you that's not true? And God loves you so much, He will give you more than you can handle. 
Why? So you can live your life dependent on Him. Listen, here's the truth. God will never give you more than He can handle. But as we're living dependent, as we're living dependent on Him, that's why we always want to make sure that whatever we're processing through in life, the pain, the loss, the hardship, whatever it may be, that it's pressing us toward God. Because again, the greater purpose is that we would come to know God in a greater way. See, what I think we learn from the prophet Habakkuk is that a committed believer can both wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith in God. You can wrestle with the questions while you're embracing authentic, authentic faith. So when you're in a crisis... Be confident of these three things. The first is this. God's plan for your life is greater than your present circumstances. His plan is greater than the circumstance. Don't allow the present circumstance that you're walking through to cause you to lose sight of God. Don't allow, don't allow the circumstances to be greater than God. Don't allow the circumstances to eclipse God in your life. God's plan for your life, it's greater, greater than the circumstances. I love this scripture in Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. It's on the screen. Would you read this with me? Let's read this together. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Notice, though he stumble. Can I tell you something, folks? You're going to stumble. You're going to struggle. You're going to face adversity. You're going to stumble in life. But here's the good news. As God has you by the hand, that stumbling will not be the end of that of your life or the plans He has for your life. Though you stumble, you will not fall. Why? Because God's holding you by by the hand. That's what the psalmist says. God may not deliver you out of the trouble, but this is what I'm confident of. He'll be with you through the trouble. He's working. He's working for your good. And God's at work to bring good, even if you can't see it. The second truth you need to hang on to. Sometimes we're so caught up in our pain, our loss, our challenge, that we cannot see how God's working. And to to be honest, sometimes it feels like He's not working at all. You've been there, haven't you? God, it seems that God's like nowhere to be seen in this picture. You've had that experience. I've had that experience. That's when the questions come. That's, that's when we struggle. It's in those times that we have to go back to the truth of God's Word. It's in those times that we have to anchor ourselves to the truth of what God's Word says about us. Romans 8.28 says this. It's on the screen. Let's read this verse together. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Notice, in all things. How many of you know all things includes the good and the bad? Right? The good and the bad. You with me? So in all things, what? God is working for the good of who? For those who love Him. So if you're here today, and you would say, I love God, then this is what you can be confident of. Whatever you face in life, whatever the struggle, whatever the adversity, whatever it, it is that you may not understand, what you can be confident of, 
is that God is working in that, through that, even in that bad time for your good. Why? It's the promise of God's work. So you may come to times and seasons where you have to quote Romans 8, 28, 5, 10, 15, 20 times a day to remind yourself of the truth of what God's Word says. Even though you don't see it, you can't feel it, you can't properly define it, what you can be confident of is that God is working for your good even in the midst of the bad. Again, you got to anchor yourself to the truth of God's Word. Now, this is not always easy, but I believe that you can embrace the struggle and doubt while you're fully trusting God. Because you're embracing while you're wrestling. It's okay. It's okay to question God. It's, it's okay to be honest with God in your struggle. It's okay to share your emotions with God. It, it's okay to express your anger to God. It, it's, it's like He doesn't... I mean, you think He doesn't know? Like, I'm hiding this from God. Really? (laughs) Why not just have the conversation? Why not just bring the question? Why not just bring the struggle? As you're fully embracing God in and through the process. Listen, we are human, so we will struggle. We are human, so at times we'll doubt. We are human, so at times we get angry with God. I would say that's quite natural. All of that can happen while you are fully trusting God. So, what are the takeaways? What are the takeaways for finding hope in the dark? I'm going to leave you with two takeaways. These are not in your notes Let me just give these to you really quick. The first is this. Don't deny your doubts and the pain, but allow your doubts to press you into God. Don't don't deny the doubts. Listen, it's okay. Really, it's okay to say, God, here's my complaint. That's what Habakkuk does. And God's not like ticked off with Habakkuk. So don't deny your doubts and the pain. Let your doubts drive you to God. Here's the second takeaway. Don't be afraid to ask questions as you wrestle with what you don't understand. But embrace God in the struggle. Again, the name Habakkuk means to wrestle and to embrace. It's okay to question. As you're embracing God, as you're inviting God into the struggle, I want to leave you this morning with a quote from theologian C.S. Lewis about embracing God in the struggle. It's a powerful statement. Listen as I read. We need to learn to trust Him even if we can't feel Him. Believe in Him even when it doesn't make sense. And follow Him even though we're not sure where He's leading us. Amen? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank You today. That you are a good and faithful God. Lord, the reality is, is life's not always good. The reality is, life's not always fair. God, the reality is, we come to times and places where we struggle. And there is this question, God, do you really care? God, do you really know where I'm at? God, you could do something, but you're not. Why? 
that those are the reality of the struggles as we're as we're living in this world, as we're as we're walking out our, our faith in you. And God, I thank you that you understand our frailty, our humanity. And you invite us to bring our questions. You invite us to bring our struggle. You invite us to bring our doubts as we embrace you in the process. And Lord, for that I'm grateful. I'm grateful, God, that that as we do that, you bring hope in the dark. God, what I know is you don't always deliver us out of times of trouble, but I'm grateful that you meet us in those times and you journey with us through them. And in that process, God, we come to discover who you are in a greater way. We, we come to growth in our lives as we walk through those, those difficult places. So Lord, we're grateful for your presence. We're grateful again for the hope that you bring. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.